This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. From Jordan-Hare Stadium to Auburn Arena. From the Plains to the Recruiting Trail and all points in between. If it's Auburn, we've got it covered. Did I say War Eagle or War Eagle? That's it? War Eagle. This is the Auburn Undercover Podcast with Brandon Marcello. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Auburn Undercover Podcast. I'm your host, Brandon Marcello, as the uh, introduction, of course already said so why do i have to repeat it uh i'm coming to you live via tape delay from my car parked outside the Auburn athletics complex on a late sunday night i'm recording this uh about 10 o'clock at night uh <laughs> it's outside the athletics complex we uh chat with a couple of players chat with gus malzahn after practice tonight and i can tell you right now gus malzahn's still in his office uh, working, I saw the light was on when I was walking to my car. Um, I'm not I'm not stalking him. I promise. I just saw the light was on, so I, I assume he's in there. Um, anyway, uh, Auburn a huge winner against Mississippi State. M- most of you know that you've 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 <laughs> you watched the game. I'm certain. Uh, 56 to 23 by Auburn, just dominated Mississippi State from start to finish. First six minutes, one second. Auburn scores three touchdowns. Defense sets them up. You know, with, with the first two possessions, minus 19 yards rushing by by State. Christian Tutt has a nice punt return. It was over after that first play on offense for Auburn with that touchdown run by Booby Whitlow, in which the only Bulldog who touched him was an actual Bulldog, the, the uh, mascot bully who <laughs> Whitlow uh, slid into uh, after the touchdown run, and uh, luckily he and the dog are okay. Bully, the mascot, uh, but uh, it was a thrashing, and the Mississippi State offense um, got a little bit going, uh, running the ball with freshman quarterback Garrett Trader, but not much else. Meanwhile, Auburn's offense uh, was clicking at its all-time high uh, this for this season, at least, with quarterback Bo Nix. Bo Nix combined for 391 yards of offense, the first quarterback since Cam Newton in the SEC championship game in 2010 to throw for more than 300 yards and rush for 50 yards. So it was that kind of night. And there was a very interesting stat I saw from ESPN Stats and Info. Uh, most of those passing yards, and it appears only one in, in one excuse me one pass completion was included in this, came inside the pocket. So almost every single one of Nix's pass completions were in the pocket it wasn't him getting pushed out and having to make a play and throw it he was patient he stepped into the pocket and threw the ball the Auburn offensive line deserves a lot of credit for that and so does Bo Nix for being patient stepping into the pocket Um, I say all that because we're going to talk a little bit about Florida tonight but Auburn's about to face the toughest defense it has faced particularly um 
in the defensive front that they have faced all season. And it's going to be a little bit different, especially on the road. And so Bo Nix, great night against Mississippi State. He's got to keep building on that and stepping up into the pocket and delivering throws because State's defense, Mississippi State's defense, was not very good. Receivers were coming open quite a bit. Give Auburn credit, of course, but that State defense was very underwhelming. Um, so anyway, but Auburn just a heck of a night against the Bulldogs. Um, what else do you ask for? I, I didn't think it would be close. In fact, I, I picked a double-digit win for Auburn, but, you know, I wasn't expecting that. Uh, that that was about as perfect as you could draw up a game. Uh, most points scored in a half uh, by Auburn against an SEC opponent um, ever, uh, tying for the top mark of 42 points against Vanderbilt in 1990. So 29 years ago was the last time Auburn scored 42 points in the half in the first half against an SEC opponent, and it's the only two times they've done so. It was that type of night, and one that uh, filled with big plays. And I think, to, to me, what stood out the most and what will impact the rest of this season is that I've noticed, one, a trend in the running game, and two – what this offense finally looks like when they've got all their pieces together. Because as we all know, Anthony Schwartz has been dealing with a hand injury that he had surgery on in August. He's still not 100% full speed. He's not full speed uh, because he's not in football shape, so to speak. But the guy is just electrically fast still. Um, he said last week against Texas A&M, he was about 80 to 85%. Scored a 57-yard touchdown on a reverse. Uh, he told me Saturday night after the game against Mississippi State that he was about 90%, and he had scored on a 13-yard jet sweep and also had a 48-yard catch that was nearly a 51-yard touchdown catch, but he drifted out of bounds after catching the uh, perfectly placed ball over the shoulder by Bo Nix. So, as Gus Malzahn said, he'd like to see him at full speed because that would be a lot of fun, um, and it certainly would. And what is happening for Auburn is now they've got Anthony Schwartz. They've got Seth Williams, who dealt with a shoulder injury a few weeks back. they got Will Hastings. They've got Eli Stove. Sal Canella's really coming on. They've got their pieces all together. And it's very difficult to defend Auburn, even with a good defense, when you quite don't know what's coming. Because Auburn... While, yes, they do like to run the ball, they've been pretty unpredictable in what they're doing. And what really stood out to me as far as off the field than it translating on the field was Gus Malzahn on his radio show last week. He said that now is a point where you've got to, one, you've identified your strengths, but now it's time to start disguising things with your offense so that even if you are perfecting five, six plays or whatever, he's not saying this, but this is what I'm saying. If you're perfecting five or six plays, you find a way to disguise them so that, you know, um, whether it's through different formations or personnel, so the opponent and the defensive coordinator you're going against doesn't, isn't able to identify exactly what you're about to run. And that's what Auburn's been doing these last two weeks, and particularly against Mississippi State. There were some heavy sets they utilized, um, obviously in the Wildcat, um, that were different. Um, they're running some different things offensively that, you know, are base plays, but, you know, just simple things like, listen, they, they ran jet sweep 
to the boundary side of the field, the short side of the field, um, two or three times. One of those resulted in that touchdown by Anthony Schwartz. Usually you want to run that to the field side because, one, so much more room to move and maneuver, and you're not going to step out of bounds in a tight space, particularly in the red zone. But when you have a guy as fast as Anthony Schwartz, it doesn't really matter, and you're able to make up a lot of um, uh, uh, room vertically instead of horizontally because you know, it's such a tight space horizontally. You're able to make up a lot of room vertically before people are able to really try to take an angle on you in the red zone. So that's been a strength of Auburn's, and that's not quite something Auburn's been able to have really throughout the Gus Malzahn era if you think about it. You know, Schwartz is probably by far – the fastest player Malzahn's ever had, you know, at any position. Um, and then you add this, then you add Seth Williams, who is just phenomenal, a phenomenal receiver. Um, almost got to 200 yards against Mississippi State, could have if he played throughout the game. Um, just blowing past people. Of course, we saw a couple more slants. I know a lot of people were asking about that, you know, earlier in the season. This offense is expanding. They're throwing more things in there. Now, to the trend that I'm seeing, and obviously some of you are probably seeing, sure, I'm sure too, um, which is obvious, is that they're splitting up the carries among the running backs and receivers and Bo Nix a lot these last two weeks. Booby Whitlow carried the ball 10 times against Mississippi State. At first glance of the box score, you might go, well, yeah, that's because it was a blowout. So they pulled him. Well, yeah, that's part of it. But that's not all of it. He didn't run the ball a lot at Texas A&M because of the game plan. He, didn't, he only ran it twice in the first half in that game, I believe. And then, of course, he took over late in that game against A&M, had eight carries for 47 yards, including a uh, eight-yard touchdown run against A&M on one drive alone to put that game away. Then against Mississippi State, it was kind of the same. He had the he touched the ball first, first player to touch the ball on offense, on the handoff for a touchdown. But they only touched the ball nine more times after that. And what ended up happening is, and what's happening now over these last few weeks, is you're seeing, you start seeing it against Kent State early. I remember talking about this on the podcast and, and on our message boards at the body get a, at Auburn Undercover, that Bo Nix, they're becoming more comfortable with him running the zone read and making reads and making their own decisions on his on his, uh, on his own. And he's been great at it. Um, he led the team in rushing against Mississippi State with 56 yards on seven carries, um, including that long 30-yard run where he, uh, he, he fumbled the ball, but it bounced out of bounds and we were talking to Gus Malzahn outside after the press conference Sunday night, and he said, hey, listen, I told him, hey, this isn't Pinson Valley. You're not going to outrun guys in the SEC, so just just when you know someone's coming up behind you, get down. <laughs> You're not going to outrun guys you know, in the SEC. You just can't. Just don't do it, Bo Nix, and protect yourself. Because if you guys remember, that was almost a horse collar, it looked like. That could have been a bad play uh, injury-wise or something. So, anyway. Um, that's not, you know, you're here or there. So, but this offense is evolving and I wrote about last week and when Gus started talking about disguising things, it showed me that, but also you're not seeing an Auburn Gus Malzahn offense where you need a running back to carry the ball 20 times a game. Isn't that something? It's different. And Gus said that that's, that is by design. It's not just how the game, the game's 
you know, coming out, that's what they're going into the game with. That's their game plan. They are wanting to split the reps around. And this was something that I talked about last season with Auburn because Schwartz was coming in, Sean Shivers was coming in, and I knew they were newcomers, but they had a lot of speed. And I just thought Auburn needed to utilize their speed on the edge more. And they didn't quite do that as much last season. This year, they're starting to, especially with Schwartz back on the field. And because they're doing that, you're getting Eli Stove and Schwartz to carry the ball. You're getting these little quick little shovel passes type things that are more or less handoffs to Anthony Schwartz. Um, And you're also getting Booby Whitlow running between the tackles, sometimes bouncing him outside for about 10 carries a game. Cam Martin coming in for a few carries. And here is the thing that will continue the evolution for Auburn's offense, in my opinion. The addition of freshman running back DJ Williams. We, We finally saw him in his college debut late in the fourth quarter against Mississippi State, and boy, he ran the ball. He ran hard. And Gus Malzahn was asked Sunday night, hey, is he rising up your depth chart? Because, listen, Sean Shivers fumbled against State, and it was not a good fumble. I mean, there's no such thing as a good fumble, but it was not a good fumble. It was something like, like that's a problem type thing. Like, that's the way he got hit and it popped out. It, you don't need that happening. So every time the point point I guess I'm trying to make is every time Sean Shivers is hit really hard, does that mean the ball's going to pop out? That can't happen. You can't do that at running back. So, so Auburn's offense is changing a little bit, uh, spreading those carries out among the running backs, as I said. Bo Nix in the run game, uh, a little bit of different concepts from previous things that Gus Malzahn's run. They're disguising uh, formations a little bit more. They're not substituting as much as they did, especially last season, if you guys remember. And it's all adding up, guys. It's all adding up. Um, but this week against Florida is going to be so freaking difficult. Florida is very athletic defensively. I just want to go through these numbers with you. Um, if you guys remember, they played in week zero, uh, you know, before anybody else really played. And they had 10 sacks against Miami. So that number inflates a little bit of what you're going to hear, but keep this in mind when I talk about the number of sacks they have right now. They've had four sacks apiece in each of their last two games, so keep that in mind. So Florida in the SEC, they got the third-best defense, allowing about 280 yards a game, second-best rush defense. That's something to keep an eye on. This is probably going to be the best rush defense Auburn has faced. In fact, it's going to be the best defense Auburn has faced this season. I think the second-best was Oregon. They've had only one opponent rush for over 100 yards against them, and that was at Kentucky. Remember when Kentucky uh, blew that lead and ended up losing? Or did they lead? I don't remember. Kentucky should have won that game, and they blew it (laughs) Uh, earlier this season. And this is the big number because as I was talking earlier about Bo Nix improving as a passer, stepping up in the pocket, and hitting some of those throws without scrambling against Mississippi State, it's going to be much tougher against this Florida defense. Florida is number one in the SEC and second nationally in sacks per game at 4.8. And they are first in the SEC by a wide margin. The second team has three per game. So that's almost two extra sacks a game by Florida's defense. They're also number one in the SEC in tackles for loss, nine per game. But if there's the weakness with Florida is their offense and particularly 
their rush offense. They're 11th in the SEC in rush offense. They have not been able to run the ball effectively against anyone this year. In that week zero game against Miami, they couldn't get anything done on the ground. I think they averaged less than two yards per carry. Now, that was weeks ago. Things have changed. Players have changed. Also, Florida's getting a little bit healthier. I think their offense is actually better with Kyle Trask, the true freshman quarterback, starting now. Uh, if you remember, he replaced Felipe Franks a few few weeks back when he got hurt in the Kentucky game. Um, and Trask has been doing very well. In fact, he broke the Florida uh, school record for consecutive completions uh, last week against Towson. I know it was Towson. But it's 18 straight passes. 18 straight passes against air in a game is great. Um, so he completed 18 straight passes against Towson and has the school record there all to himself. And this is going to be this is a huge game. Obviously, it's a top 10 matchup. It's the biggest road game for Auburn in five years. First top 10 matchup on the road for Auburn in five years since you guys all remember when Auburn, I believe, is number four in the nation and Ole Miss was number seven when they went to Ole Miss and won 35-31. to 31. Um, Auburn ended up losing the next two after that and had a disappointing year after being in the playoff conversation. But uh, this is the biggest game in five years for Auburn on the road and one of the biggest games for Florida at home in a while. Uh, college game day is going to be there for the first time since 2012. It's been seven years since college game day has been in Gainesville. This will be the second time Auburn's been on college game day this season, just in the first month of the season. And it's a testament to how just how tough Auburn's schedule has been. They've already faced two nationally ranked opponents away from home. They're about to face a third, and this is their first top 10 opponent. Oregon, if you remember, was number 11 when they started the season. So, boy, I tell you what. It, it, it's going to be tough. That atmosphere is going to be nuts, and it's probably going to be hot. And that defense um, is going to play like its hairs on fire for Florida. And Auburn's going to have to match that intensity offensively and defensively. Um, this is going to be a much different game than the Texas A&M game on the road. Much different. The atmosphere is going to be different. A&M, I know it's 101,000 people, but it's not really all that loud. The Swamp is going to be deafening. 2.30 p.m. kickoff on CBS, it's going to be deafening in the Swamp. Um, they're wearing throwback jerseys from the Steve Spurrier days. I'm sure Steve Spurrier is going to be there. It's going to be a madhouse. This is the game they see as them potentially getting back on the I – mean, they're top ten now, but they see this as a game that puts them on the map to potentially challenge for a playoff spot. So this is huge for both programs, obviously. But when it's at home, that changes a lot of things. So – that's just a quick look at Florida and some of the numbers. And as I said, this is going to be the best defense Auburn's faced. It's not the best offense Auburn has faced. Auburn's defense should be able to slow down this Florida offense, especially in the run game. But my big question still remains, can Auburn force turnovers and do well defending the pass? Those are my big questions still about the defense. They've done everything else just phenomenally. But th those are my those are my two questions. Auburn's got to force some more turnovers. And then the Auburn offense, man, they put the ball on the ground, what, four times? Fumble it away four times or whatever. Um, or four times, then three turnovers against Mississippi State, and they still won by 33. Can't do that at Florida. You'll lose. You'll lose by a couple scores, if not a few scores. So 
We'll talk much more throughout the week, of course, at AuburnUndercover.com about Florida and Auburn. And, of course, when we record our roundtable podcast later this week, we'll go deeper into conversation about Florida. But I wanted to talk more about Florida because that Mississippi State game was such a laugher. And there's things to learn from that, certainly, and what Auburn can continue and carry over into the Florida game. But th- this this is going to be a much different animal that Auburn's going to have to try to skin because these these Gators are pretty tough defensively. If the, I mean Auburn's favored uh, going into this game, there last time I checked the line, it was two points. Auburn was favored by, uh, according to Vegas Insider, and that's a lot of respect for Auburn after the way they dismantled Mississippi State. And if you remember, Auburn was a underdog when they went to Texas A and M. So. I'm I'm leaning toward Auburn right now. I I said before the A&M game that if Auburn beat Aiden, we'll we'll see and Auburn's chances to win the next two uh, before they go to the bye week, and that includes Florida. I I thought they match up well with Florida. We'll we'll see, and I need I need to look at Florida more and talk to some more people that know more football than I do, and and, and track these programs or inside these programs and around these programs. And I'll get a better view on that and uh, hopefully have some more info to pass along. And uh, three things I know, three things I think for our VIP subscribers. I'm going to answer some listener questions right after these messages. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo Concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome back to the Auburn Undercover Podcast. Thanks for joining me. Um, we're going to get some some questions here from our subscribers at Auburn Undercover and also our some of my followers on Twitter. Uh, follow me on Twitter, at Marcello And check us out, auburn.247sports.com, and check out the message boards. Uh, these questions, these first few, come from our subscribers on the bottom get a message board. The first one is from Mitch one In his post-game interview... Bo Nix mentioned weapons that we haven't even started using yet. Care to venture a guess to any additional impact players we might see on offense in the second half of the season? Uh, Jay Mitch goes on to say that Matthew Hill and Harold Joyner seem like the obvious choices, but any other others you've heard about good things about from sources inside the program you'd project to become breakout players in case of injuries or dropping other guys on the depth chart? Thanks for the question, Jay Mitch. Um, I'm not sure about Harold Joyner. Um, I'd say J.J. Wilson's one guy, but the, but the number one guy in my eyes that could step up and be a a crucial player down the stretch is D.J. Williams, the running back, freshman. We talked about him earlier in the podcast with the running game. I think he's a guy that could end up being like the second best back on this team and potentially a starter 
uh, in the future. But for this season, they're going to need him to step in and probably carry the ball 10 times at some point in some game at some point. Um, he He's an every down back. And really the only other every down back on this team is Booby Whitlow. And he needs a spell here and there. And if Whitlow gets injured or nicked up, they need someone to step up. And I'm not sure Cam Martin's that guy. I'm not sure Sean Shivers is that guy. And as I mentioned, it's very possible that because of the fumbling issues with Shivers and the stuff between the tackles, that DJ Williams might be coming up on the depth chart. So DJ Williams is my number one guy as far as potentially breaking out or you know at least being an important player down the stretch. Uh, Matthew Hill's another receiver. We haven't seen him a lot other than on special teams. Uh, he's done, done a great job on special teams and then also blocking as a receiver. But he's a guy I'm still waiting to see kind of break out uh, on offense. But we'll see. Auburn's got a lot of weapons on offense. But those are the those are the two guys I'm really paying attention to. And then maybe a little bit of J.J. Wilson. Thanks for the question. Sparky on the body get a message board asks, who do you think is the most improved from last season to this season? Thanks and God bless to you and yours. Uh, most improved player from last season. Um, let me think here. Either Tyrone Truesdale or on uh, a defensive tackle or uh, Jack Driscoll at right tackle on the offensive line. Um, you know, there was word that Driscoll was playing hurt last season and he appears to be healthy this year. And a lot of draft folks think he's an NFL guy, Jack Driscoll. So I would say those two. Truesdale, of course, has had to fill in for the departed, you know, Dontavious Russell, who uh, you know graduated after last season. So uh, I think Truesdale's done a pretty good job. Um, but uh, you know, Jack Driscoll's done a very good job at right tackle this season. And uh, if he stays healthy, he could he could be getting drafted uh, this upcoming spring slash summer. Uh, Sparky also want to know if we're going to do a live show like we did back, um, I believe, what was that, before the 2017 season, before the opener? We did a uh, live show at a local restaurant. I, I have nothing planned, and I, I'm not sure we'll do anything like that. Um, I'd have to get a lot of people on the same page. Um, I, I'm not sure that's going to happen, but uh, thanks for asking. I'll keep in mind, though, I'd, I'd probably like to do that again at some point. Um, back to the body game message board. AU Tiger LI asks, would love to see Auburn go four wide with number five, number 12, number 18, number 37 spread across the field. Schwartz, Stove, Williams, and Hastings. East Hastings in 37. I guess you meant 33. Okay. Think any chance we'll see that? I mean, sure, maybe, but, I mean, Auburn's a running team. They're not really a four wide team, and when they go four wide, it's usually uh, – for extra blocking uh, on the perimeter. Um, you know, I, I, I don't know. You might see it, especially when Auburn has to go two-minute like they had it to do against Oregon and maybe throw the ball a little bit. But, yeah, I don't know if that's a thing that's really on the docket. Okay. Thanks to our subscribers at Auburn Undercover for posting those questions. Now to Twitter. Thomas, at War Eagle TB asks, the team seems to be playing with more energy than last year. How much of that is because of Gus Malzahn and his quote-unquote new attitude this year? I think it has a lot to do with it. Gus is very hyped these days. Uh, I think he loves that he is controlling the offense. I think he likes that he's evolving as a play caller and inserting new things into his offense with the help of Kenny Dillingham and others and the study he has done in the offseason. And I think it rubs off on the players in practice. He's – you know, he's playing more music in practices. We talked about that back at the Music City Bowl, in fact, about how they were 
playing more music and he was just being he's being a little bit more loose you know i guess he was one being you know as kind of a you know had a stick up his rear end so to speak walking around um he loosened up a little bit and when you're winning things are a little bit more fun but the pressure keeps building as you keep winning but he's he seems pretty loose uh with the players and the players love him so i think that's helping a lot Matt uh, Rainer, I think it's Rainer or is it Reiner? Because one of my friends is Reiner and it's spelled the same way. But anyway, uh, asks, is the S silent or is the C silent and sent? Okay, so my understanding for this, I know it's a joke question, but I'm going to answer it seriously. My understanding is that the point of the S and the C is for you to have a softer S at the beginning of the word sent. Sent. So that's not as strong as a cent or, you know, like the money cent um, uh, or even a different, even any other word like successful that starts with an S. So my understanding is that with the S and the C, it's supposed to be, a, it's supposed to convey a softer S when you say cent, if that makes sense. Okay. Rob Hadaway at VH Dog. By the way, this is a uh, Mississippi State fan, one I've known since I covered Mississippi State um, back in 2010 and, and forward until 2012. Uh, he asks, what time is the game on and what channel? That's an old joke. It's been going on in the Mississippi State beat writers for well over a decade now. Um, I don't know. Mississippi State, I don't think, knew what time the game kicked off last week because they – they were down before, uh, like, the first commercial break. But this week, the game is 2.30 p.m. Central Time, CBS. Auburn versus Florida. Spencer Benson asks, which young guys, freshmen and sophomores, do you see the most potential in on both sides of the ball? Bo Nix, duh. Uh, <laughs> that's my guy. Um, obviously there. DJ Williams, as I mentioned earlier. I mean, he's a freshman. Anthony Schwartz is a sophomore. Um, you know, I, I guess, you know, you might be like, be more specific. Mention guys that aren't playing a lot right now. But that's difficult to do, really, especially, you know, when the guys that are going to be successful are already playing, even as freshmen and sophomores nowadays. Um, you know, I like them. I'm just thinking off the top of my head right now. I didn't prepare for this. So let's think. Um, those guys, I like uh, I mentioned DJ Williams, um, but this is the future. So I was just thinking of incoming offensive linemen, but they're not on campus yet. Yeah, I'm just going to go with those guys. I'm sorry. You know, Seth Williams, he's a sophomore. Matthew Hill, as I mentioned earlier on the podcast, you know, he's a youngster that needs to step up. Um, Derek Hall, the defensive end, defensive lineman for Auburn. I think he could be a big player for Auburn in the future. So we'll see. Tyler Blake Henry at Henry Tyler 22 asks, honest prediction for the game Saturday. Well, number one, I take issue with that. Are you saying that my predictions are never honest? Uh, number And yes, I picked Auburn. I picked A&M over Auburn, and, and no one's let me. You heard the end of it. Um, but I always pick, I'm always picking honestly. Um, I don't have a score prediction yet, but I'm leaning toward Auburn. For Florida. I've been saying that for a couple weeks now. But we'll, we'll see. Uh, Kaz Canella. Uh, Sal Canella's dad, everybody. Um, 
We know each other very well. Yeah, he says, hey, can we update number 80's height and weight? Six foot six, 238 to 242 pounds, depending on before or after the game. I'll see what I can do. Auburn needs to update their official roster, too, if that's the case. I don't know if I can do, like, a fluctuating number, 238 after the game, 242 before the game. Uh, I'll see what I can do, though, on 24-7 sports if we can change his uh, height and weight. I wonder what we got it at right now. I have to look. Laura Mikos, at Laura Mikos, asks, how do you think our defense will hold up against Florida's passing game? I talked about it uh, earlier. That's a big thing to me. Um, I I don't know. I really don't know. I think a lot of it's going to depend on if Auburn get past pass rush, and that's been an issue at times this season. Um, you can't just let Kyle Kyle Trask sit back there and pick Auburn apart, and that's how. Listen, I think that's how teams are going to have to beat Auburn this year, is by throwing the ball twenty five, thirty times a game. I don't think you're going to beat them running the ball unless you just got a massive offensive line like maybe Alabama. Or LSU, but LSU, I mean, they're spreading people out now. Uh, so is Alabama, but Alabama's still going to be a power running team. So, you know, Florida, if Florida wants to beat Auburn, in my opinion, they're going to have to throw the ball quite a bit because they can't run the ball very well, at least on paper so far. And uh, if they do that, they got a chance, you know, and that's Auburn's weakness right now. It's been a pass, pass defense. It has been for the last two years. That's how LSU beat Auburn last year. That's how Tennessee beat Auburn with the help of a few turnovers too. But – Remember those deep passes, and that that's still an issue for Auburn. It is, it just is. Um, Dan Thompson at Dan O. Thompson asks, "Where will Auburn be ranked in the initial playoff rankings if they beat Florida?" Well, the playoff rankings do not are not going to be released till November fifth. So you're still looking at another month, and you're looking at three, four games there. <laughs> you know. Of games, you're looking at an entire month of a season before the net initial playoff rankings are coming out. And one of those games, by the way, after Florida, if they beat Florida, is at LSU, which will have a big effect on the playoff rankings for both LSU and Auburn. And also, after that, Auburn's got to play Ole Miss at home, which you know you would think would be a win, but you never know what's going to happen. So there's way too many games after the Florida game to, especially with the LSU game, to say where Auburn would is going to be ranked in the first. Cl- Playoff rankings. Playoff rankings don't come out till November fifth, which I think is a good idea. By the way, the the way the later the better with those playoff rankings. Um, having said that, I mean, if the playoff rankings were released at the week after the Florida game and Auburn was six and zero, I would say you'd have to put Auburn in the top four. I think the committee would probably do that. AP poll, Auburn probably be about six or five, but I think the playoff committee would put them in the top four based off the resume. Three wins away from Jordan Hare Stadium against ranked teams, you got to put them in there, right? In the top four. But as I said, playoff rankings, the first one is not going to be released until November 5th. So we got a lot of time to wait to see that. Auburn plays Florida, then they get a bye week, and then they got a few more opponents, including at LSU, where Auburn hasn't won since 1999. So we'll see. But first things first, Florida's coming up. We talked a little bit about them on this podcast. Talked a little bit about the Mississippi State game, the improvement of Auburn's offense, some things to work on with the defense, and also um, what Florida's probably going to have to do to beat Auburn and Florida's weaknesses. 
as well. In this early week episode of the Auburn Undercover Podcast, we'll return later this week with a roundtable podcast to discuss more about Florida and everything Auburn. But until then, I'm Brandon Marcello. I'll see you down the road. No one has it covered like 24-7 sports. Go undercover with Auburn Undercover. Auburn Undercover.